This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Let's go back in time to 1932 as Converse brings you historic footage of the legendary original Celtics with whom all great professional teams are compared. We have now taken over your radio. Richie Guerin is about to show you the most important step in getting past a man. It's the first one. And Oscar will inbound it. The men in green, the Milwaukee Bucks, that's Al Cinder against Bellamy. It has Jordan. Allen shakes great. Gets two! Gilmore on to go in the first quarter for the Cow Palace. Here's Barry. Jordan. Open. Chicago with the lead. Hello, and welcome back to the Over and Back Classic NBA podcast. I am Jason Mann, and with me as usual, my great co-host, Rich Krejci. Rich, great to be back with you. Yeah, I was off for a few weeks, but uh, now I'm back, so I'm better yeah. than ever. Better than ever, indeed, just like Eric Bischoff. <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> I think yes, you... Adam got that joke. All right, cool. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. There you go. So two percent of our listeners got that joke. Oh, I'm sure more than two. Do you think the crossovers more? Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to guess ten percent of our listeners got that. Okay, you know, right. we'll, we'll do a survey we'll do afterward. We'll yeah. do a survey. Yeah, so yeah. let us know. Yeah, there you go. Um, so. Um, Yes, great to be back with you. And uh, our uh, guest today, uh, returning uh, back to the show, is Adam Johnson of BasketballPantheon.com. Adam, welcome back to the show. Good to be back, guys. And uh, so we today are going to talk about mythical dream teams of the past, the the present, I, I guess the slightly ahead of time in the future. Uh, it is, um, and we're going to sort of... We we each picked a year, and we're going to sort of compare them. Uh, the, the pick kind of the best players of of those times, but also consider how those players would match up in mythically against the 1992 Dream Team, and just uh, suss out a little bit of basketball history um, that way. So, Adam, you you kind of had the, the the genesis for this idea. So so what you know what, what brought this to mind for you, and uh, you know what what are you what are your thoughts on the whole endeavor? Yeah, with the Olympics coming up this year, I just thought about doing some sort of project where you look back and see kind of what teams could have been had we used NBA players, uh, because this current team that is about to happen, I think in 16, is going to be absolutely loaded and uh, will be really fun to watch. And obviously, 92, people always say, throw out that, this is the greatest team ever assembled thing. And I just wonder if people would have said that had we had the opportunity to bring NBA players all throughout, you know, kind of the history of the Olympics. And so I thought, what if we look back at like 60 and 64 and 68 and all those years that we weren't allowed to bring NBA players and see what that team would have been like. And we thought about maybe articles, something like that. And then we kind of decided it'd be better as a podcast form and not doing every single four years because it would get a little redundant. So we kind of chose every 12 years, um, you know, exclude the dream team. Obviously, we'll keep them the same and then kind of have a mythical, like how would they match up against the dream team? 
So I guess you can talk about kind of the years we chose and things like that. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's been an interesting look because of course, you know, it, it's difficult to can, you know, it, you, you can obviously see the players and consider their skills, but you have to consider things like, um, you know, exactly when the game is going to be taking place. Um, you know, the rules, um, the styles of play consider, you know, matchups and so forth. I, I think we did a nice job of kind of balancing, uh, a, a bunch of different things, uh, out. Um, all right. So I, uh, we, we, our earliest team is from 1968 and that was mine. So I, uh, and I chose as the starters, um, Oscar Robertson, Jerry West, uh, Elgin Baylor, Wilt Chamberlain and Bill Russell. And, um, you know, I think obviously these are like five, probably the five players that define the decade of the 60s the best. So that's certainly part of the reason why I um, chose them, um, you know, some seniority and legendary status. Um, I, I think that, um, you know, obviously you have the chemistry between West and Baylor. Um, you have, you know, the ability of... Um, really any of those guys um except for russell you know the ability to have them go off for like a you know 40 or 50 point game in the right scenario you know you've oscar who can you know basically do everything could also has the size and the speed to compete with the bigger guards um west who you know incredible shooting incredible defense he can run the offense and playoff ball um I'm not necessarily sure that um, Baylor would necessarily be the best um, small forward. Uh, you know, there's a couple others options that we can kind of get into. It might be a better starter, but you know, I, again, you have the chemistry with West. I, I just think that's a great, uh, you know, that's you know, why break up the tandem if you don't have to. Um, and then you have, uh, you know, of course, Russell and Wilt. Um, I, that might there might be an issue there with uh, fit, and you know, I can let you guys weigh in on that. But you know, um, Russell's obviously going to provide the intense defense, and Wilt, you know, um, basically everything because you know, Wilt could could pretty much do just about uh, anything. This is during the time in which he's, you know, in addition to the great scoring, he's also you know become a, an expert passer and really efficient shooter. And I just think you know, at the starting five, it's going to be pretty hard to beat. So Adam, uh, any thoughts on the uh, on the starters that I chose? Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's just a legendary starting five, and I think if you just matched it up with the '92 team, I actually think the, uh, the starters at least you would have them beat just kind of on you know legend status at least. But um, yeah, I, I like the thought of Russell playing the four, uh, especially against. Yeah, I, I, I was right with you. Yeah, especially playing against that against that '92 team that gives them you know quite a bit of versatility. And, uh, and he's also not as big as maybe people think. He wasn't quite as tall. He's not like one of those behemoths as you know some of the other guys were. So a um, little more versatile than Ch- the Chamberlain for sure defensively. So yeah, I like that. And that's a those te- those guys would match up really well with ninety two. I think uh, the the main starting lineup um, was uh, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Patrick Ewing, Magic Johnson, and Karl Malone. Um, so just for reference for who who these guys would be. Um, battling against although the dream team used a variety of starting lineups you know based on injuries and so forth but i i think we're basically i think we're basically assuming uh you know ideal health for um everyone so rich any thoughts on um on the 1968 starting lineup yeah i think i i, I like the balance of it 
Um, like you mentioned, Baylor at, at small forward might be the one thing where you maybe kind of look at just because, you know, against, you know, the likes of like a Scotty Pippen or whatever is really tough. And that's what's always kind of tough about doing this sort of comparison uh, deal as well is that and maybe I guess I could ask you guys as well. We sort of talked about some things of some ground rules here. Uh, we're saying that the Knights team is coming into this year, correct? Like they're playing under the rules and under everything of these guys, like the 1968 team. Correct? Yeah, that that I think was what we sort of agreed. That we sort of I didn't okay. I didn't build my team necessarily thinking necessarily knowing that, but um, but I I think that works right. still for um this team. So there's no three point line 1968. That that isn't introduced until '84. Um, mm-hmm. so but even if there were a three point line, I you know um I, I do think that there's a, a decent roster here assembled that could probably. Um, do okay. I mean, not like the 1992 team had, uh, you know, a, a bunch of great um, outside shooters. I mean, obviously, um, Bird and Mullen, but, um, you know, we'll talk more about, you know, kind of Bird's limitations um, later, I'm sure. But so I, I think, that, you know, they, they match up fine there as, um, mm-hmm. as far as I can tell. And I always do have a little trouble, you know, sort of comparing eras because, like, the difference in, like, you know, nutrition and health and all that sort of stuff from 1992 to 1968, you know, it's just nine days. So I always have trouble with that direct sort of comparison so you kind of have to use it on a, on a context base but yeah looking at the, the, your lineup sort of and sort of extrapolating it I, I think yeah i think it's a it's a solid matchup with the 92 team i mean it's it's one of the better of, of you know sort of looking at the other teams that we have i think on pure like legend standpoint like adam said like they're, they're right up there with that 92 team absolutely yeah uh, at this point, Baylor was 34, Russell was 34, Wilt was 32, Oscar was 29, and West was um, was 30. I, I tried to make that age what they would have been at the Olympics themselves, which was actually October of um, of uh, 68 uh, in Mexico City. So, um, yeah, th- th- I mean, the the issue there, I guess, is you know these are some aging players. Although they're that's relatively close to, I mean, Magic was 32, Jordan was 29. Um, Malone was 28, uh, Ewing was 29. So these guys are late 20s, early 30s for the most part. So uh, you, with Russell and Baylor, you're, you're you, those guys are aging. I think everyone else is, you know, is <clears throat> a pretty good age for um, for uh, comparison's sake. Um, but yeah, any other thoughts, Adam? Yeah, Baylor was the one that I thought because Russell still was obviously super effective in that you know that 68, 69 season. But Baylor was the one I thought had lost some steam at that point, and some of the injuries had taken its toll that he might struggle with the, like, Pippen-Jordan kind of super wing types that the Dream Team had. But, uh, but yeah, other than that, the team is, like, really balanced. And I think I agree with that. Even if we were using a three-point line, some of the guys with the bench would have been great. Yeah. And, and Baylor, you know, in, in 68, he had 20, you know, he had 26, 12, 4.6 assists, 44% um, field goal percentage, um, you know, pretty strong, uh, pretty good numbers in advanced stats. So I feel like... Um, I mean, clearly he, um, after the, after the knee injury in uh, 65, I believe, you know, he had definitely had slowed down, but he had kind of bounced back from that and, you know, did have some pretty good seasons through 70 before, you know, age and injuries caught up with him. Um, but I mean, he's definitely, you know, I, this is not 62, you know, um, Elgin Baylor scoring 70 points and just, you know, it's completely, um, destroying the league. So it's definitely a step down from that. I do think he has the size pretty well to match up with, um, match up with Pippen. Um, he was a pretty, you know, big, big guy, six, five to 25. Um, that's his basketball reference, uh, height and weight that I used for these. So if, if these are, these might not quite be 
you know exactly right for for listeners who know these off the top of their head but um so if we're a little bit off on that we apologize but that's you know it, it, we're just kind of going the, blame basketball for consistent yeah for consistent yeah. yeah. <laughs> send so, all complaints of basketball reference <laughs> exactly the, the the great resource basketball reference of course that we all love you know, the thing about wilt is like the 92 team has nobody that can deal with wilt like they really no. don't like i you know david robinson ewing are really their only true centers um you know they they can obviously you know um in those Olympics, they can play big with, or they can play small, I guess, you know, with Malone or um, maybe even Barkley at, at center. Christian Leitner, 6'11", although he's, you know, um, I, I think he did, he played a little center in the NBA, but um, he was obviously the young guy, not playing that much and, you know, probably a little skinny for that role, even in international play. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't think any of those guys are, have really a good chance of handling Chamberlain, even, you know, one, even at 32. Yeah, I completely agree with that. He would have been a monster in that game. So um, as far as the rest of the team goes, um, I went with, uh, for the other guy, for the other guards, I went with uh, John Havlicek. I mean, uh, you know, he can, he can play off the ball. Um, great defense uh, may, would make a lot of all NBA defensive teams throughout his career. Obviously part of the great Celtics dynasty was sort of just emerging as, you know, growing from a six man into more of a starring role for that team. And then, as um yeah as Russell and um Sam Jones and everyone would retire you know that would become his team uh pretty quickly along with Cowens um uh, then for the other guard I went with Hal Greer over Lenny Wilkins it was just very slightly and I just kind of felt like you know we already have Oscar and West who you know can can handle the ball handling duties and are likely going to have one of those two guys already in and, and Greer can actually handle the ball too but I think he can do off the ball better than Wilkins could. Um, but I, I, that was a very, very, very slight, you know, um, edge for Greer. He played on a, um, you know, a, a championship level team where Wilkins was with the Sonics that it weren't obviously not as strong. They were an expansion team. Um, and uh, actually I mean, he might've been with St. Louis still, but either way, he, uh, Greer's on a, on a, a, on a stronger team. Um other guys like I kind of considered but uh, dismissed uh, Sam Jones, who um, was really great, but he was 35 at that point. I just kind of felt like he was a little bit um, too old, even though he was still playing pretty effectively. Um, and I also was a little bit questionable about picking three Celtics, even though there were only 10 teams or so at this point. So picking you know multiple guys from a team doesn't have the same problem that it would have in different um, you know in later years, obviously. Um, and then, uh, Dave being Earl Monroe and Walt Frazier were other guards that I considered. I actually think Frazier, like if I, you know, I, I kind of tried to pick this team based on the knowledge that I would have had, like in late 1967, 1968, whenever, you know, you actually would make the choice for this team. I tried not to use like knowledge of what they would do in the seventies, you know, to, um, uh, you know, you know, as a, um, as a guidepost. Um, but it's because I just feel like Frazier with his size and his defensive ability would really have fit well, pretty well here. But since I don't know that, um, I didn't pick him same Dave being Earl Monroe, they just think we're too early in their, um, careers, but you know, would certainly have been, um, effective options as well. So, uh, out of the guards, um, any, any thoughts, Adams on, um, excuse me, excuse me, Adam, any thoughts on, um, on, uh, on those choices? No, I thought you were right on. Yeah, I thought I thought Sam Jones. You're right. Just a little bit too old. 
you kind of want guys like closer to their peak for sure. Even if maybe Sam Jones at some point was a better player in his career than some of these guys, which, you know, that's even arguable anyway. But um, yeah, if he's like not even near his peak, I, I agree with that pick as well. And and I think you're right with the Lenny Wilkins, Dave Bing thing, like not needing another point guard. Cause even Rick Barry off the bench could kind of play a point forward role too. So um, I think, yeah, you're spot on with those. So Rich, what did you think about the guards? Yeah, I, I, I like the guards. Um, as mentioned, you know, of course your starters are there. Havlicek, I, I like that as well. I mean, that's a good sort of pick. And, and when you come to mind, you'll see some of mine uh, are also just guys. Because I, th- I think it's as important to find, like, the best guy. And, and, and Havlicek, obviously, is one of those, like, really, really good guys. But I think it's just as important, especially in the in these sort of teams, to find those sort of glue guys or find guys that kind of fit roles a little bit better as well. Because, you know, it'd be real easy to just be like, yeah, I'll take the all all NBA first team and the All NBA second team, and just like lump them together, or whatever. But I, I think it is important too, also to find guys that sort of fit within the context of stuff, fit within you know sort of the team concept. Because as we found that that's really been one of the big differences, you know, the last few years with a lot of the, the American teams as well. Is that like, look, you can't just grab a bunch of really good guys and throw them. Together. I mean, you kind of do need some of those glue guys here and there uh, that sort of fit. And yeah, Havlicek. I mean, I, I, that's not slight on him at all. I think he absolutely is you know worthy of being on there. But I, I, he stuck out to me as a guy who really fits from a good role. Uh, perspective as well like coming off the bench sort of stuff to be a really really good guard off the bench i thought you know small forward shooting guard uh, off the bench yeah um so moving on to the forwards um i chose um in addition to baylor i chose uh rick barry uh connie hawkins and uh dave debusher and um you know for for barry i mean he was uh, he actually didn't play in the 68 season that was when he you know, tried to move on to the aba and was barred from playing for a year uh, for making that jump um so I, yeah, politically that would be a little weird um but i didn't again i didn't really consider that i also didn't really consider 1968 was an olympics where a lot of um uh, african american athletes uh, boycotted due to um you know um white supremacy and segregation in the United States and in protest of that, that would, you know, there, that's obviously the, um, famous Olympics where, um, uh, with the, uh, with, with the, the, the black power salute and, um, you know, and obviously a lot, a lot of that going on in the country. But again, I, you know, I'm sure there were guys, you know, Oscar, um, Baylor, um, Russell, um, Lou Cinder, who probably, you know, wouldn't have wanted to be on the team be you know, for those reasons. But I didn't really consider the political context. I just kind of tried to pick the best team. Um, so um, also, in addition to Barry, uh, Connie, yeah, Connie Hawkins and David Busher. Um for um you know for Barry obviously um he was one of the um you know great great scorers and um slashers not much of a defender but I I just think he would be hard to handle on um on the defensive end for you know most of the um uh, for for most of the the team USA I mean you obviously have Pippen um who is you know an incredible defender elite and would you know make it tough on anybody but you know, other than that, I'm not sure like the forwards are necessarily the stoutest uh, defensive players on um, on Team USA. So and I don't know if Mullen was necessarily on that end. Bird, you know, is 35 with back injuries and is about to retire. Um, you know, you, you might switch have to see someone like Magic um, switching over just because of his size. Um, and I'm not sure that would be great either. Um, you know, another guy who you know. Um, uh, you, you had been barred from the and for, from basketball, from bo basketball, up until he was signed by the ABA. Connie Hawkins, um, you know, just undeniable skills. Um, you know, a, a guy who's able to you know um, take it to the basket and um, you know incredible athletic ability 
and incredible production um, when he played. Um, that'd be a stretch of there for that being a realistic scenario. But again, you know, with the talent, it was, his talent was undoubtable. So I feel decently comfortable with that. And then the final choice was um, Dave DeBusher. Um, he was playing with the Pistons at the time, of course, would, would soon move on to the Knicks and become part of those Knicks teams. Um, you know, great defense, uh, great passing. Another guy who I just think would fit and know his role real well and just would be like, a, um, you know, would provide stout defense and would move the ball around and would just be able to kind of do all those things. Because, again, you don't need another guy who can score. I mean, you've got plenty of that already. Right. You know, you, you've got kind of everything else. You need a couple of of glue guy types, and I think, you know, DeBusher uh, fits that uh, pretty well. And Rick Barry can teach Walt how to shoot free throws, too, so that'll be there great. There you go. Well, they both love the underhanded, so, <laughs> right. yeah. Teach him better underhanded, though. He doesn't it, do the underhanded go. right, or something. You know? Yeah, got, got to flick those wrists. That's the important thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, don't know if, I don't know if Barry would be like the Isaiah Thomas, like, when nobody wants him on the team. I mean, I, I guess, like, Barry was more personality. I mean, I guess with Isaiah, it was personality-wise, too, but that was, like, over, like, a much longer period of time, and some real personal issues were, I think, with Barry, it was just, he was just kind of unlikable. <laughs> just a red ass, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally, yeah. And he's also, Rick Barry's a little younger at this point. It's not, maybe he's not, like, quite as, like, hardened and, like, annoying yeah. to everyone, so maybe right. he could fly, but. Yeah. Yeah, he's T24 at this point. Connie Hawkins is 26. Uh, DeBusher's 28. So, th- so this is a kind of a younger crew to supplement, you know, the older guys who are, um, you know, um, uh, you know, who are the starters. Um, I-, I forget if I mentioned it, but Havlicek is 28 and Hal Greer is 32. So he's a little bit older too. But it- uh, enough youth, I think, here that, um, you know, that that there's you know, just to balance out the um, experience of the starting lineup. Yeah, I like the DeBusher pick as well. Uh, that kind of reminds me of, like the Igudala for the 2012 team. Uh, just a guy who can like play different roles, and I think he may put that in your notes. Fits and knows his role at this point. You know, when it's like the ninth, tenth, eleventh guy, usually the guy's not going to be annoying to everyone on the team and just play his role. So I think that's a good pick. Yeah, and he's another guy with some size, six six two twenty. Um, isn't going to get pushed around too much. I mean, he he could do. Uh, you know, he could play power forward or small forward. So I, I think he would fit. I definitely could d- defend the power forwards. I think pretty well, but the athleticism, enough athleticism to defend the wings is a, is a different question. Um, you know, that, that might be, that might be a little tricky. I mean, hope, hopefully Hawkins could, you know, kind of pull that off. Uh, I, not necessarily a guy I was doing. I don't know how well he was. Honestly, I don't really uh, recall much about him defensively. I, the highlights I've seen don't really highlight his defense. They highlight everything else on the end of the ball on that, the other end of the ball. So, um, but I, I, I think you can kind of make it, um, make it work there. And there weren't really any other serious, um, forwards that I, um, that I considered, um, you know, Chet Walker, um, is a guy, but, um, you know, he was another sixer. I didn't want to pick three sixers and I, he, I thought he was well behind kind of the rest of these guys. Um, uh, and that, that, that was really the only other strong candidate that I had for, um, for on the wings. So, uh, so moving on to the bigs, um, in this was, I think kind of the toughest a, a little bit, um, just because there were a lot of really good and interesting choices and, it's hard to know the the fits important here, but also just the the outright talent um, just kind of over, overrode any questions I had with fit. And the two that I um, picked were um, Lou Alcindor, the future Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, um, who was 21, playing um, for the uh, playing for the the Bruins of UCLA. Um, w- would have been in between his junior and senior seasons here. It was was already the greatest high school player ever, and on his way to the greatest college career ever. Had won two national championships and. Um, 
it was outstanding. Um, the other guy would be um, who I ended up choosing was um, Willis Reed, um, who uh, could play both power forward and center. Good mid-range shooter, so he could stretch the floor a little bit. And again, another guy with the size to um, match up with the um, with the other bigs. And I, I ended up picking Reed over um, Jerry Lucas, um, Zelma Beatty, Walt Bellamy, and Nate Thurmond. Um, I, I, I needed kind of one of those two to play to be able to play power forward. Um, and 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 Beatty and Bellamy didn't really do that throughout their career. I thought Thurmond just didn't really have the um, like I I feel like you need a little bit of outside shooting, and Thurman didn't really provide that. And I just kind of felt like Reed was a slightly better choice than Lucas, probably better defensively, and um, he probably just really better all around. So, um, and another guy who I think could could fit alongside really any of the other three centers, you know, Wilt, Russell, or Alcindor, who I would guess being the youngest player wouldn't play all that much, although just with his talent, um, I think could. Um, I mean, you know, obviously one of the greatest players of all time. Um, and even at 21 was, um, you know, was about to join the league in a year and, and be pretty dominant as a rookie. So I would imagine he would not be significant worse, you know, just a year before that. Yeah, I, I agree. I, 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 especially with the centers, uh, the other guys just aren't at the standard that the, uh, the four that you picked are at. Um, having uh, Lou Alcindor, Bill Russell, and Will Chamberlain on the same team is just not fair. Um, even if it is a college Lewis Ender, it doesn't really matter. He's still one of the greatest, you know, players, even at that point ever. Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely loaded at that position. So, yeah, I can't I can't argue with any of those. Yeah, same with me. Uh, I'm exactly the same as Adam. I, I just, that's hard. To, yeah, that's a really, that's a tough little unit there. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. that's, 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 yeah. that's fun. I mean, the only thing that I thought that is getting all the minutes for the centers, I mean, that you know, you're going to kind of um, – you might run into some, you know, I don't know how well Chamberlain and Russell playing together for a lot is going to work or, um, or Alcindor or Russell or Alcindor or, or Chamberlain. I mean, I think you could make it work. I think the talent is just good enough. I mean, Alcindor as a young player could run, you know, could, you know, was very fast and could run across the floor and could probably, you know, um, de- defend, you know, power forwards if need be. I mean, just certainly has the size. And I, I think with some of the quickness, I think he could probably do fine against some of the uh, wings. But that that's a, that's a small issue that um, I would worry about a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, obviously I picked, yeah, I, I think the talent wins out there. So uh, as far as, as making that choice. Certainly. Um. All right, well, uh, should we move on to 1980 then? Let's do it, yeah. Yeah, sounds good. All right. That is my team. Uh, unfortunately, the United States boycotted that year in the Olympics, so uh, I don't have a team, so I'm done. <laughs> so let's move on to Adam. So. <laughs> we decided, nope, Soviets, we're not going to have a team. So no, but uh, I give my team here. This is the uh, 1980 uh, season as well. Um, a little bit, it, it's an odd sort of NBA at this point because, of course, um, you know, there's two rookies here that are going to be on my team that are big, you know, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. So it's sort of, for me, it was kind of tough to not think of a lot of these guys as like what they would do, you know, in the rest of the 80s or what they would do in the rest of the decade, but think a little bit more of, you know, what they did in the 70s. It's kind of tough. You see 1980 and you kind of think, but, you know, you got to think of these some of these guys more as these late 70s because um, not knowing, you know, what's going to happen in the past or in the future, rather. So um, my starting lineup, um, I did go with Magic Johnson at point guard, though. Obviously, 
from a, a talent standpoint, you know, you have uh, obviously a transcendent star. Even at that point, he was still that level of just a cultural star as well as an actual good basketball player, too. So I thought he was just kind of a no-brainer for me to start at, at point guard. Uh, shooting guard is a 27-year-old George Gervin, which is just a lot of scoring there. And that's going to kind of be the theme, unfortunately, my team is they score, but, man, they don't really defend all that much. But uh, that's kind of the 70s and 80s in a nutshell, in a sense. Uh, small forward, I got another guy who, you know, he's 29 at this point, but still Julius Irving still had a you know, many, many good years to give. And another guy that I think from a sort of a fame standpoint as well, that you almost kind of have to have on your Olympic team and almost have to have as a, as kind of a featured guy uh, would be there. As far as my, um, my bigs, I did similar to what Jason did in the sense that, you know, I, I have power forward guys that I think would fit pretty well, but I thought this unit would just be too hard to sort of pass up or at least too, too silly not to pass up. And it'd be uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Moses Malone as my bigs. You know, Kareem is 32 at this point. Um, you know, probably, you know, arguably done with his sort of peak, but still, you know, many, many good years ahead of him. Uh, and then Moses Malone at 24 was just sort of entering uh, what we would consider sort of Moses' peak. So I thought was, those were two really good um, starters. And I'm not sure. I'd probably put Moses at the at the four and then Kareem at the at the five. But, um, yeah, that's kind of my, my starting lineup. Um, the, the Magic one seems a little weird just because he's 20, but I, I, I kind of feel like I had to put Magic Johnson. I have to start him, you know? Yeah, you know, I'm honestly not sure, like looking at sort of the top point guards of the time. Um, Nobody really jumps. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, you know, Dennis Johnson, who kind of did, was both shooting guard and a point mm-hmm. guard. Um, and I have him off my bench as well. Dennis Johnson yeah. was the guy I definitely wanted to get in, mostly for defensive purposes, because, you know, um, he's still a Sonic at this point, but, you know, was regarded as one of the better defenders in the league. And, and obviously with that starting lineup, I, I got to need somebody that can play defense. So uh, and, and with my bench as well. So, yeah, D- DJ was a guy I definitely added and, and could, you know, fill in that point guard role off, off the bench for sure. Yeah, and I, I have mean, another sleeper point guard too. So. Yeah, I, so I yeah, I mean, um, you know, there's maybe maybe a Gus Williams or a Michael mm-hmm. Richardson, you know, would be kind of be other options, you know, you might consider. But uh, yeah, I mean, um, and but honestly, yeah, neither one of those guys that I think really, you know, would would have qualified for it. Maybe maybe Gus Williams, but um, but yeah, I mean, of, of the of those choices, I mean, I, I do think Magic, even though like I, I don't think Magic is quite, um, he's, I mean. Yeah, maybe he didn't quite have he wouldn't have the, the individual brains that he would later grow into but i mean he did lead the 80 South, the 80 lakers into a, a championship and had you know game six for the ages so that's that's something. yeah and from the same standpoint too i mean that, that's also part of it as well is, is you know we, we we sort of know the olympics as well you know the, winning is a big part but it's also having you know marketable stars on that team as well is a big big deal um you know in the post 2004 uh, olympic era so i thought that he was one that just almost had to get there for for reasons like that and and larry bird i have him coming off the bench as well for the exact same reason that that you know obviously he's still a very good player at that point you know fantastic player you know but he's he's coming out of college as a star you know from from indiana state and just again a guy that you sort of from a marketing and and, and pr sort of standpoint a guy that you kind of have to have on your team yeah i i like i like magic starting i mean like you can't really argue with that um and I, I agree with that it being kind of a weird time just for like basketball in general, like the college scene is obviously massive at this point and the NBA scene, it's still kind of that like weird period magic and bird haven't quite saved it yet. It's still very much like the cocaine and like, you know, kind of weird, you know, images of the white fan, like not being able to get into it. Like, so it is, it's a tough, and even the talent level is not quite at the peak of where it would be maybe in the mid eighties or, you know, even like today, um so what it's like yeah what what do you what direction do you really go in 
like the 84 team, I feel like would have been much easier and probably even better. But oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, when you took 80, I was like, man, that's going to be kind of a tough thing to balance out. So, but yeah, in the end, I mean, that starting lineup is awesome. So, like, it's it's not like you know, there's a lack of you know great players still, but. Yeah, yeah, it, it kind of falls off in my bench, and I'll, I'll kind of go over with the uh, uh, the guards and who I had. So of course I had Gervin uh, starting. I had Paul Westfall coming off the bench, and at this point, you know, he he's he's 29 years old, and the regression was coming for him after this. But at this point, he had been um, just a fantastic player, great scorer, uh, first team All NBA in, in uh, the 1980s season. Uh, you know, injuries would of course rob him in those last few years, but you know, I think for this team, he'd be a great option off the bench as, as a scorer. Uh, another guy that I added, I mentioned. Uh, Dennis Johnson, uh, he broke out in 1980. Uh, his final year with Seattle, you know, 19 points per game, 4.1 assists. Uh, also made the all-defensive team uh, that year as well. So he was kind of a no-brainer for me because I think one of the big things with this team is lacking is, is defense. So I think we're just going to blitz. We're going to try to blitz uh, the 92 team, which I'm sure will, will go real well. But uh, uh, an interesting guard, you know, I mentioned Magic Johnson. An interesting point guard that I thought of, and it was I was kind of looking through the list and going, yeah, man, I got enough scoring on this team. I don't know if I need more of that. I went with Kevin Porter. You know, he's 29 at this point. Uh, he broke out huge with Detroit the year prior, uh, 15 points per game, uh, 13.4 assists per game. So I, I kind of thought there was a good need on this team, you know, especially of, of just kind of a selfless point guard uh, that just, you know, didn't really necessarily care about scoring all that much, more about just kind of distributing, getting the ball to the others. Because uh, as I go through my forwards and my centers, you'll see that, you know, there's <laughs> there's only one ball, and, and a lot of these guys want to put the ball in the bucket. So it's uh, I thought that was a good option as well, the Detroit uh, give a little bit of balance to the team and not just have, you know, strictly guys that want to score. Yeah. It's tough because it is, there are, um, you know, there, there are the, the, the mix of guards in the NBA is really interesting um, at this point. And there's not mm-hmm. like, there's, there's not quite the, you know, that, that crowd of point guards that is going to come up and really, you know, be incredible in the, in, in the eighties. Um, you know Isaiah, um, John Stockton. Uh, you know, a few years later, um, you know those guys aren't aren't quite in the league yet. So, um, so you you can't really kind of fit those guys. And um, you know Kevin Porter doesn't quite fit the star power. Um, you know uh, he certainly isn't like a legendary player. I mean he was he was good for a while, but um, but you're right. It is sort of a um, you know the the options there are. are um, Mixed, I guess, is the best way. I, I yeah, and because yeah, the other three I was sort of looking at, and, and it goes to Adam's point a little bit about the you know the kind of the cocaine seventies <laughs> is you know there's David Thompson's a guy who you would think you know hey oh there's David Thompson he, he was good but at this point you know 1980 the substance abuse and the injuries it basically just kind of rendered him you know he'd be out of the league I think in another year or so uh, didn't really work for that Gus uh, Gus Williams as you mentioned was one that I definitely considered uh, at that point he was a real good you know scoring point guard again not as much of a uh, you know, pure passer, uh, as we sort of think uh, of point guards, you know, modern point guards, but, but a good score at this point and stuff. And then uh, Calvin Murphy was another one as well. But, you know, he's 31 at this point. And I, in my mind, it probably regressed a little bit prior to this to, to be not really worthy of, of a bit on the uh, the Olympic team. So, you know, my guards, I, I, I like the balance a little bit, but the bench sort of falls off a little bit in terms of uh, of some things. But it's, it's, a, it's a very odd period, like you said, for the guards. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess Phil Ford might be the other one of the Kings, you know, would be, might have been a yeah, guy oh, yeah, that yeah. you would, you mm-hmm. know, um, might throw in there as well. But, uh, yeah, honestly, I don't know. Um, I, I I don't have the best sense of how, uh, if whether he would have been a better choice than Porter um, or, or, or not, or, or, or Westfall. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a good, um, I think that's a, a, a good selection based on the options at the time. I, I feel like the, the forwards are a much stronger crop than, the, oh, yeah. um, th- than the guards are, um, no question. 
for this team. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, we, we brought that up. You know, I had Julius Irving starting, um, which, of course, drags, you know, Larry Bird to the bench. You know, 23-year-old Larry Bird, who's a rookie at this point. But, uh, yeah, again, that's just, you know, a, a great scorer, great shooter, especially if, um, you know, because we're, we're bringing this to the 80s, so there's not going to have the three-point line. But if you were going to have a three-point line, you know, obviously Larry Bird would be another a pretty decent asset as well. But also, as I mentioned, from just kind of a cultural standpoint as well, you know, sort of having him on the team would almost be a necessity, especially uh, with, you know, the NBA being what it was at this period, like Adam mentioned, and what, you know, college basketball was at this time. You, you know, no brainer that you put Larry Bird on here. Uh, Adrian D- Dantley, uh, I had a guy uh, coming off the bench for me. Um, I guess he could probably be the Isaiah Thomas factor where everybody hates him, but I think he's 23 at this point, so I don't know if everybody hated him uh, quite yet. He did get, he had already been sent off from the Lakers. Uh, this was his jazz year. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to argue with what he could, you know, output scoring-wise. You know, 28 points per game with, with, with Utah. Um, and start, you know, it obviously started becoming a, a much larger role with that the Jazz team than, you know, he had with the Lakers prior. So he was one that I definitely wanted to put on there. Uh, Elvin Hayes, you know, he's 34 by this point. And he had been regressing a little bit, but it's kind of hard at this point to find a really, you know, much better power forward option uh, than Elvin Hayes. And he had made the All-Star game in pretty much, or actually I think it was every single year prior uh, to this year, you know, his regression would come exactly after the 1980 season. So, you know, from the standpoint of picking this team as, hey, what's going on in the last, you know, decade or whatever, what's going on in the last five years, Alvin Hayes would be kind of a no-brainer. I mean, we sort of know with hindsight, you know, he'd regress quick after this. But, you know, before that, he was, he was a super reliable option, great option on my mind. And then uh, the last but not least uh, for Ford's, I grabbed old Rick Barry. I said, uh, <laughs> my reasoning was may as well try out the old farts. So a uh, yeah, good three-point shooter at this point, you know, if you were going to play the three-point line. But um, otherwise, you know, good, a good point forward as well. He had sort of stopped becoming just the, the crazy scorer that we sort of knew him in his youth and become more of a distributor and more of kind of an all-around player uh, in his last few years. This is his Houston Rockets uh, era as well. So, yeah, he seemed like a good option here. Uh, again, another one that you sort of put on for star power as well, but I think he'd be a good option as well, uh, you know, his, his even if at his slightly advanced age. But, yeah, I, I was happy with my forwards for sure. Yeah, no, it's a it's a heck of a crop there. Um, I actually like the addition of Rick Barry. Um, I mean, a little different than, like, maybe Kidd in 08 because, like you said, Rick Barry, maybe not the greatest mentor in the world, but... Um, but yeah, it's a good it's a good pick. I mean, he's probably what your tenth man. It's not like he's going to play exactly. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, you're going to leave most of the small forward roles to to Julius and, and Larry Bird. So um, yeah, the one thing I, just looking at the team now and like the starters, uh, the matchup with ninety two actually isn't that bad. I mean, this is probably the nineteen eighties. Probably the team that has the least amount of talent to choose from. Um, so I like the team overall. But and this is a problem, I guess, with anybody. But George Gervin trying to guard Michael Jordan would be. Yeah, oh no, yeah, that's that's not going to go well. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's going to be tough. But yeah. my my goal is that Georgia scores every time down court too. So we just yeah. we hopefully do that. But that's probably not going to work either. So damn you, Michael Jordan. Yeah. So so who do we think was better, nineteen eighty Magic or nineteen ninety two Magic? Wow, that's a tough question. Because um, I I think nineteen eighty Bird is clearly the better player. There's no question about that. Oh, but, yeah. but but Magic nineteen eighty nineteen ninety two. I I don't know about that's, that. Yeah, that's a tough one. I I think I, my first instinct would say 1980, but you know he'd become just such a smarter player by by 92. You know, even if physically he wasn't quite there. Um, I don't know. That's tough. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll probably say 80. I, 92 because 91 obviously he was incredible, led the you know, Lakers to the finals, and then of course the unfortunate announcement. Um, but yeah, I, I, I you what's stuck in your mind looking at 20 year old Magic is just the the finals game he had just had. I mean, his last NBA game that we saw before. Exactly, yeah. For this, this you know, mythical Olympics would have been, you know, just a legendary performance. So it's hard to go away from that 1980 guy. But yeah. I don't know. That's a tough question. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the only guys who I, I, 
the guy who I do think should be on this team who who didn't get on there is um is Marcus Johnson from the Bucks. Um but I probably put him in for for Barry maybe, but or maybe Dantley. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I think he's kind of a guy who could who could kind of do a lot of things and would maybe have more versatility than Dantley, who's more of just kind of a scorer. Um right, or, Barry, right. or Barry who was older. But um the, the other guy maybe Don, uh Dan Roundfield, um of the uh, Hawks. Yeah, he was a, he was a late cut. He was a late yeah, cut. Yeah, he would sure. be like a strong power forward um type, but but yeah, I mean I I, I think I I get why Hazenberry have a better stronger star power um uh for sure and um you you talk about kind of getting a little bit of the seniority um on there and mm-hmm. I I think those guys um would probably have been good for that, although especially with Barry being at the end of his career, maybe yeah, I don't know. Um but I but yeah, I think um like I said, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I think you send, assembled about as strong of a team as you could, but I don't. I think this of of the teams that we have kind of here, I think this one might have the least chance of uh, beating the two team. Yeah, yeah, and 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 my centers, of course, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar who, who was a no-brainer, you know, in 1980, and then I, as I mentioned, Moses Malone uh, was another that I, that I decided to put in there, 24-year-old uh, Moses. I just thought the big the big body would be pretty uh, a great matchup at that point, and. Um, you know, you could make a case for a few other guys um, that I put in as centers. I had uh, Dan Issel as a, as a potential one, but you know, he's 31 at this point and had started, you know, started his regression a little bit. Uh, Artis Gilmore, he was 30 at this point and had really just started to regress, you know, away from sort of his ABA peak. Uh, Bob Lanier, uh, you know, he's another one as well. But, you know, with him, he this is the year he was traded to Milwaukee the year, you know, and, and really just started, the, his career just started tailing off real quick after, you know, he left Detroit. And then uh, Wes Unseld, who was just at this point just really, really too old and, and just wouldn't have made sense. You know, from a star power, maybe you could make a case for him. But, yeah, from a pure, like, talent standpoint, I mean, Unseld at this point, had, had he'd seen much, much better days. So I thought those were the two, you know, best options at center with, with Kareem being obviously a tough matchup. And, and I think Moses being a tough matchup as well. But, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, overall, I don't know. I mean, when I was done with my team and sort of thinking of everybody that I could, I don't think they stand a chance against the 92 team. But uh, it's like it's just a weird area of the NBA. It's 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 hard to get a handle on, you know, what – like you said, there's so many weird changing of guards and weird changing of uh, – um, you know, evolving positions as well as I think is an important thing is you still have a bunch of centers and, and forwards or power forwards rather that are still really good and no real point guards and you know that shooting guards still a little tough as well. So it's just it's a very interesting team for sure. It's just a it'd be a, a bizarre bunch to watch them kind of walk out there. It's like these just people that don't seem like they match up at all, like Kareem and, and you know George Gervin and it, it's just I don't know. It'd be a very odd 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 mix of people, but got to do what you got to do in the eighties. So. Yeah, probably fun to watch still, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Adam, are you uh, ready for 2004? Yeah, let's do it. Um, yeah, obviously, so 2004, there was an Olympics, and the USA won the bronze uh, rather embarrassingly. Uh, it's a, kind of a weird team. And just for context, I'm going to read kind of what that team actually was that went to 2004 and went to 5-3 and three in that competition. Um, this is the actual roster. Carmelo Anthony, Carlos Boozer, Tim Duncan, Allen Iverson, LeBron James, Richard Jefferson, Stephon Marbury, Sean Marion, Lamar Odom, Ameka Okafor, Amari Stoudemire, and Dwayne Wade. Um, some just kind of very odd pieces in that mix. Yeah. Uh, so many of the guys at this point, I guess playing for Team USA just kind of wasn't cool then. And a lot of guys backed out just due to fatigue is what they cited. Three guys backed out because they said they were getting married that summer. Um, and then uh, there's a couple injuries. So I, the only kind of real, I mean, Kobe was starting his trial with the unfortunate Colorado incident. Um, so 
yeah, it was kind of a weird group to choose from based on what we had at the time. But it seemed like Team USA just kind of threw the team together, and then it just kind of blew up. Larry Brown was the coach. Iverson kind of wasn't a great leader. And Duncan, it just seemed like, was kind of left out to dry there. But um, So what I ended up doing was I did not choose the players that were injured, but everyone else I, I left eligible. So the players that were injured that I just did not choose um, were Jason Kidd, Chris Weber and Elton Brand. They just were not eligible. Kid would have been my starter, no question, point guard. Um, would have loved to have him on that team, but I'm going to kind of stick to semi-realism and uh, and not choose him. So my starting lineup in the end ended up being Chauncey Billups, Kobe Bryant, Tracy McGrady, Kevin Garnett, and Shaquille O'Neal. So what are your guys' kind of first impressions on that starting lineup? It's definitely, I mean, well-balanced. I mean, you're going to have some really good defense, at, you know, particularly at three of those positions, and obviously uh, Shaq is going to be impossible to handle. And you're at McGrady's peak pretty much um, athletically scoring-wise. I mean, he's coming off, uh, you know, that, that 03 season um, where he was just incredible at one of the great individual seasons of all time. And, um, you know, proven earlier in his career that he could kind of be a do-everything type player. Kobe that way, honestly, too. So, um, I, I'm assuming that would have all melded well and, and, and not really been a problem and not really, you know, going into like a, you know, who needs to be the alpha dog type of thing. Um, but, uh, obviously if you, this was real life, you would have the Kobe Shaq, uh, bad feelings that would, um, d- derail that. But we're, 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 <laughs> right. I, I think we're willing to, you know, put that aside for, um, to just for the purposes of this, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's a that's a really strong starting five. I, I like Billups as um, a guard. There, I mean, he's good good enough distributor, great defender. Uh, you know, and um, you know can can play off the ball and, and make open shots too. So, I wonder. The only thing I wonder about the Billups thing, and I think it's a great pick as well. But I wonder, you know, sort of selling that to the public because at, at this point, of course, Billups had won you know the championship with Detroit. But I, I don't know. Would you consider him established enough where if they said, hey, Chauncey Billups is the starting point guard of your you know, USA Olympic team, would people be okay with that? Or would they kind of – and not that that matters, of course, but I just mean like from a PR standpoint. Uh, you know, I think people in the basketball know knew how good he was. But I don't I, – I, I, I'm just trying to take myself back to 2004. I don't remember if he was considered like, oh, wow, this guy's really, really awesome at this point or – yeah, I think if not for them just winning the championship, I think you'd absolutely have a point. I think people would be like, wait, what is going on? Like, he's the point guard when there's so many. Like, that's that Denver Nuggets flameout guy, right? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, he, yeah, he had one lucky year. Like, I don't know if it, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember back in 2004 if it was like, oh, Billups is, you know, because I know later, you know, we'd found, you know, I think I, in my mind, Billups started getting a lot more respect as they continued to just build and build and, and continue to make those Eastern finals or whatever. And people realize, oh, my God, Chauncey Billups isn't, you know, a. Uh, a really, really great point guard, and honestly, one of the stars of that team. Whereas, I, I don't know if that year he he necessarily was. I, I, I don't know. I don't remember uh, in 2004. But yeah, I just wonder from that from a PR standpoint. Not that I, I mean that's a great pick from a basketball standpoint. But I just always I, I'm always curious about sort of selling the the Olympic team to the public as well. Yeah, I think it's, it's I, super the fact important. That he just got the finals MVP is like really the only exactly yeah grace in that sense. But uh, but yeah, I think yeah, basketball wise, to me, it was like it was very easy to choose him as a star. Oh yeah, no I mean, kid, like I said, kid would have been if not for the injuries. Um, but but yeah, so I was so only Chauncey in the end, so that was kind of the thinking there. Uh, but yeah, Jason, I know you're a big Chauncey fan, so I know you're probably happy with that one. Yeah, I, and yeah, I mean, I think he's coming off of a Finals MVP. I I think that wouldn't really have been a PR issue. Now, now again, this team, you know, realistically would have been chosen sometime in 2003. So you know, is that choice going to be made then? I mean, he was he had. You know, he had already played well for the Pistons and led them to some, you know, playoff runs and was certainly establishing himself. But, yeah, was he really, 
you know, at the tippy toppy, you know, part of, um, a point guards at that point, maybe not, but, but I, I'm willing to, I'm certainly willing to go with it. Cool. So yeah, the, uh, I'll just kind of read the bench first, or I guess we'll go guards first, um, off the bench. And this is the one that's going to probably be the most controversial, uh, that I did. Um, I ended up going with Baron Davis as the backup point guard, uh, which is probably sounds crazy to some people to not have Allen Iverson even on the roster, um, because at the time, Iverson was great. Um, but I think the way that 2014 played out and kind of the lack of leadership that Iverson had, and for in my mind, for Iverson, I mean, growing up, I loved him. He was one of my favorite players. You know, I had a jersey of him, and he was great. But he really needed a team built around him to be super successful. So at this level, you don't need that. I mean, the players are great. Like, that person coming off the bench just needs to be able to fill in different roles. And I think Baron Davis would have been a little bit better about that. Plus, I think Baron Davis would have been thrilled to be on the team. Um, would have added chemistry to the team. Is a likable guy. Seems like he gets along with everybody. So, um, in that sense, I think I, Baron Davis is a better pick for this sort of team. I mean, is Allen Iverson a better player? No doubt. But uh, I thought, for this team, I thought Baron Davis made more sense. And so, the other guards I had... So, he was the only you know, true point guard off the bench. Um, the other kind of guards I have are Vince Carter and Ray Allen. So what do you guys think of those selections? I, I definitely see your, um, uh, you know, your your reasons for picking Baron. Um, I mean, I, I feel like he is a little bit of a gunner still. Although I, with the other stuff, I agree. The nice thing for him is that he can actually shoot a three pointer where Iverson really couldn't, and you know, so he can kind of work um, off the ball a little bit. I mean. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if there's a great other choice. I mean, um, the other guys who talent wise, you would kind of consider there would be Iverson and Marbury, but both those guys, you know, um, <laughs> come with baggage. Um, Steve Francis, another guy who, um, <laughs> oh, he's, he's good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Francis, but at that point actually was still like an effective, productive player, whether he was, how right. good he was is another question. Right. Um, you know, maybe you could throw in somebody like Sam Cassell, you know, kind of that steady old veteran presence. You know, they had just come off that conference finals. So he was kind of at a – he would have been a little bit of an unusual choice, but he was definitely like a guy people respected, even though he was definitely – had been a bit of a journeyman. But he had, had good success in Milwaukee and even before that. So he's a guy who I – you know, maybe you can um, throw in there as a possibility. But, yeah, it, it is definitely a um, – it's definitely a league of, of flawed guards, and I at least flawed point guards. Um, yeah, Allen and Carter, um, those those guys seem right. I don't really see. Um, there's no one who I can immediately think of who I um, think would be better than. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I'm with it. Yeah, and I think I think yeah, Barry Davis is a bit of a gunner, and uh, but I think the point you made right after that was the three point shooting is is just significantly better than Allen Iverson, so um, that's kind of why I had it. And I think he's probably a better team defender as well, so um, that kind of was the ultimate deciding yeah. factor. He had more and, more size too. That's, you know, right, that's right, right. Helpful to a degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit of a kind of personality management as well. So mm-hmm. um, that was that thinking there. But uh, the forwards off the bench, um, kind of wing forwards, would be Paul Pierce and Sean Marion. Um, and then the bigs, the kind of last like forward slash centers would be Rasheed Wallace and Tim Duncan. Um, obviously, Duncan was going to make it. I mean, he was very close to starting. The only reason I didn't start him over KG, KG had just won MVP. Yeah. <laughs> it just felt like PKG yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It just yeah. felt like it's been KG at that point. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that kind of rounds out the rest of the roster. So, I guess for the bench in full would be Tim Duncan, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Sean Marion, Baron Davis, Vince Carter, and Rasheed Wallace. 
Yeah, I, I like the team a lot. I mean, obviously the weak point is just going to be that point guard uh, uh, position. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, the guards I think are, are good, well balanced as well. And I, I think having Rashid in there as well uh, would really help the, the power forward spot as well. Because if I remember, I mean, I know you know that 2014 was just space thing was just such an issue for that team because they just had nobody that could really space the floor, nobody that could really shoot without the ball. You, you know, what I mean, like everybody had to be like these ball dominant. At least all the guards and forwards or whatever had to be pretty ball dominant. You know, scores and that that just hurt it a lot. But I think this team, yeah, there's a lot of guys who can work off ball. Uh, and a lot of guys, yeah, I, I really do like this team, and I think it's, you know, leaps and bounds better, uh, just better fit than, than what the actual 2014 was, um, you know, provided everybody decided to show up and not take it off. But, yeah, no, I, I really do like this team a lot. Yeah. Um, the only problem I have with this team is LeBron's not on it, and I just kind of feel like, yeah. um, I, I mean, part of the reason why that 2004 team didn't succeed real well is because um, uh Wade, LeBron, and Carmelo got very little. You know, they were the, they were the you know second year players or whatever. They were kind of buried um, on the bench, um, and it, they were there was kind of their place in the hierarchy at the time. Um, and LeBron, obviously, you know, even though he was very good, was not the player that he developed into. But you know, if you were willing, you know, if you kind of you know slid the least talented player off this team, who I would probably argue was Baron Davis. You put LeBron in there, and then you kind of let, you know, Kobe and McGrady and LeBron kind of handle the point guard um, ball handling duties. Like, is that enough? Do you do you need Davis on there? Um, you know, do you do you think that that's enough guard play there where um, you can kind of go with without you know an actual backup point guard or. I don't know. I, other than that, maybe I would place him. I, I guess the other guy would probably be either Marion or Rashid. Um, I like Marion's defensive versatility a lot. Um, Rashid can space the floor, which is better, which is helpful. So um, can also uh, and can play a little bigger than um, than Marion can. So although I don't know, I guess in international play, I, you know, Marion might have some uh, might be able to play bigger. I mean, he obviously did eventually in the NBA. So. Um, that's a tough one. Other than that, I I think yeah, these are really good choices. I, I like that um, Garnett, um, Duncan, and Shaq. You know, they all any combination of those three guys can play together and, and play together effectively. I think. Yeah, and, and there's even even if you wanted to go super big against the dream team, you could move KG to small four. At that time, KG was so mobile that uh, you could move him. I mean, the spacing would be a little odd, but. Uh, but I mean, the spacing was kind of odd in the dream team every once in a while because there wasn't that many just knockdown three point shooters. So, sure. uh, so yeah, I mean, you could kind of throw out some funky lineups with those three. But yeah, I mean, those three are awesome. I mean, that'd be an incredible kind of triumvirate to have. And my thinking on the three young guys was um, at that time really Carmelo Anthony, but LeBron won Rookie of the Year in two thousand four. Actually, that Carmelo Anthony probably had a better season than LeBron that year. And Dwayne Wade had just actually come off a nice playoff run where he was actually kind of playing in real games and. At that time, they're all kind of even in my mind. And so I kind of went with a route of, like, I'm either taking all three or none of them. And, I mean, talent-wise, no question, LeBron James over Baron Davis or even Sean Marion. But um, but the fit at that point, and there's also some some kind of articles you can find and kind of back rumor stuff that LeBron was a bit of an issue on that team, the kind of the ego. It was a little too inflated at that point. He hadn't become the kind of all-around, like, great team guy yet. Um, so I was a little worried about that, and I think that – I mean, obviously, Marbury and Iverson were his examples on that team, so maybe that's not the greatest. You know, if he's got maybe, you know, some other, and Duncan there, maybe that could help. But, um, but yeah, I kind of went with a all or nothing on those guys. And uh, so, yeah, let me go through kind of the other guys real quick that I considered that ended up not taking, obviously, Iverson. 
Um, I considered Michael Red, but I thought he was a little redundant to Ray Allen, so um, didn't really need him. Ron Artest, just a little too volatile for me. But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I don't know if I want Ron Artest representing my country. So um, then Ben Wallace just can't do anything but defend. It just would have been it, not versatile enough. I thought Rashid was a better pick. I think Rashid would be a monster in international play. Oh yeah. Um, Sam Cassell, I was actually very close to going with the backup point guard. Um, and again, Kid would would change the whole thing. Kid would start. Shove Chauncey to the bench, and then Baron Davis wouldn't even be an issue. But um, yeah, I was very close to going to San Cassell for just like the leadership side. But he was 34 at the time. I just don't think he'd be able to offer a ton, you know, in the actual games. Uh, Jermaine O'Neal considered pretty strongly, um, but ended up going with Rashid in the end. Uh, Marbury, I thought about for about four seconds. Uh, Carlos Boozer, again, thought about for five seconds. Um, and Brad Miller, actually, I gave a little more consideration than you might think just because of the range. He could extend out. Um, would have been a good, you know, good fit, good team defender. Wouldn't have really cared if he played very much. So, um, give him some thought. But yeah, I'm pretty satisfied with the team that I ended up with. You know, I, I definitely think there's enough talent there to give the um, to give the dream team a whirl. I, I, I the guard play. Well, I, I guess the point guard play. But again, you're, you know, Davis is probably going to be the last last guy in your rotation, and the other guards, you know, that that's they're they're going to compete. I mean. Um, you know, Kobe could defend then. I mean, he really, he, oh, yeah. he when, when he was locked in, absolutely, you know, Billups is a great defender too. So they're going to make, you know, they're going to make life hard for the, um, guards. Obviously Magic's so much bigger than everyone at point guard that that's, you know, it's going to be kind of a tough matchup for anyone. But, um, I, I, I think the extra big lineup that you talked about, you know, with Garnett, Garnett shifting to the three, that, that, that's a really interesting idea. Um, I don't know exactly how that would work, but I, but it's a, um, I mean, but, you know, Garnett's roughly the size, uh, I mean, he's taller, but he's, you know, not that different size-wise than Larry Bird um, or Mullen. So um, so that, that actually probably would work. He was certainly more mobile than either of those guys at the time. So, um, so yeah, that, that, that I, I, you know, I'm kind of trying to picture that in my head and that I, I find that, I find that intriguing. Yeah, I think, and you could shift, maybe at that point, just shift, McGrady and Kobe up as well, and so you have Kobe and McGrady kind of switching off as like the you know, proverbial one and and two, and then you go KG, Duncan, and Shaq, and yeah, that's a I mean, that's a lineup. I mean, at the time, obviously, like in two thousand four, those international teams would have had a lot of trouble with, um, and then even even ninety two that team, and and again, remember this is you know the ninety two team is coming to two thousand four, so we are playing with a three point line and you know rules like that. So um, yeah, I think that that team would that five would give that dream team a lot of trouble. Yeah. All right, should we move on to 2016? Yes, and 2016 um, was Braden, the uh, guy who runs the site with me. Um, he That was his team. He, unfortunately, could not appear on the podcast tonight. He had a lot going on. So um, he just told me to kind of read out his team, his starters, and then a few notes that he gave me. Uh, so we'll talk crap about him, and then he won't yeah. know. So we'll just, we'll just <laughs> tell yeah. him. His team sucks. I'm just going to say that right now. I, I don't. Yeah. It's fine. Um, <laughs> he, yeah, he told me he actually had quite a bit of trouble with some of the last few spots, I mean, there's a few kind of givens. And then, I mean, this is a period, I think, that we're seeing, you know, certainly, uh, Rich, with your team, the like a little bit of a lack of talent pool. Um, 2016 is, is a huge talent pool. And there's a lot of guys that are left off that would make a great second team. So uh, he ended up going with uh, the starting lineup, uh, Steph Curry, James Harden, LeBron James at the four, uh, Kevin Durant, and Anthony Davis playing the center role. Um, so, yeah, what do you guys think of that lineup? 
yeah, I mean that seems about perfect uh, to me. I mean you've you've got you've got shooting, you've got um, you know rim protection, you've got um, you know uh, you've got passing, you've got uh, yeah uh, everything. I mean, um, I, I mean I guess Harden um, the, the the only the, the weakness that I kind of see there is his lack of defense. Uh, though you know he showed him that when he's engaged, he's um, he does well, and right. um, so I, I, I'm sure that's fine. I mean, there, there's not really the, the the one position where there's a little bit of a shortage of talent these days is shooting guard in the NBA. So um, I, I certainly don't see a better option than he. But that that'd be the kind of the first. Uh, that'd be the only like small thing that I um, might question with that. Yeah, my my thing might just be at least an. And I think Harden's a great choice, and I think uh, you know I, I love the lineup as well. But it might just be a, an issue of. Too many guys that kind of need the ball in their hands at all times to be, you know, super effective. Or I think Steph Curry would be fine. I think he can, of course, you know, you know, he's great, you know, at passing, but he's also great at, you know, working off the ball and getting free from screens. Harden, uh, you know what? I, I, but I wonder if, you know, in this sort of atmosphere, he might be more inclined to to sort of pass it around a little bit. But you know what I mean? Like we sort of take him for granted of what he is in Houston, where he kind of needs to do just about everything on that team. Whereas, you know, maybe in this, he becomes a little bit more of a a facilitator in some way and, and LeBron of course we know that he, he'd be fine in that role uh and Durant's kind of another one as well where I just wonder because a lot of these guys I mean those four guys are all sort of very ball heavy sort of guys but I think they could make it work I, I think they would make it work absolutely I think especially Curry and, and, and LeBron I think would would relish that chance to just be you know real good facilitators and, and sort of work out from that perspective but yeah Davis is, as a center too I think that he's a real good fit for that as well just a great great rim protector yeah and the specific matchup of the 92 team I mean I think you know we forget uh, like LeBron is Carmelo in size, so it's like you. Yeah, exactly. I think you would have like no real issue guarding Carmelo or Charles Barkley. Um, and LeBron's got about three inches on Charles Barkley, so yeah, I think him playing at the four is not an issue at all in my mind. And a side pick and roll with Steph Curry and Kevin Durant is just incredible. Oh yeah, that's uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's that's uh, that's a heck of a lineup. Um, and yeah, Harden, Harden. That's true. The defense is is rough, but uh, but there's guys off the bench that you could put in, you know, in a pinch for for defense if you need to. So, uh, including Kawhi Leonard, which is kind of the first guy he would he would take off the bench in that rotation. And then he also has Clay Thompson, Chris Paul, Andre Drummond, Carmelo Anthony, and Demarcus Cousins. So, what do you guys think of that bench unit? Uh, did you mention Westbrook or did yes? I have, okay, you you mentioned Westbrook, yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. I um I. I, I definitely think Westbrook and Paul and Kawhi are absolute, you know, locks for sure. Um, then the one guy I really want to get on here is Draymond. Um, Me too. Yeah, I would almost take Clay. Uh, I would almost take Clay off and put Draymond or even a guy like a Jimmy Butler in there just yeah. for defense. I mean, that's a guy I think of uh, one more defensive guy. I think one more yeah. wing defender in my mind is what I sort of see. And, and Clay, you know, is okay. But I just, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if Clay's skills are kind of redundant at this point. Yeah. Um, do we feel like Drummond is a liability in some respects in international play, or um, is he just such is he such such a beast that he um, that he works well there? Well, like Rick I, Barry is the assistant coach on this team, so we're fine, <laughs> <laughs> right? I don't know. You didn't say that, but I'll I'll assume that that was implied. Yeah, well, we should get DeAndre on there too, if that's the case. <laughs> there exactly. you go. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. That, that's kind of the only question for me. I mean, I mean, Carmelo. Um. You know he's proven his bona fides international play before, and is just such an effective, you know, off-ball threat. And you know, um, and 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 is still you know seemingly effective enough at this point in his career where I I, I wouldn't expect that to be um, 
I would expect him to still be merit a place on this list and be effective in 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 that role um, still. So I, I I think I would lean toward him being there. Cousins is you know um, is obviously such a beast that um, you know you'd want him there too. Plus I you know he can um, he can shoot a little bit and he can you know um, I, I, he he is, he has so much versatility and can do so many things that. Um, I, I, I don't worry about him, you know, him fitting, I, I, I guess you kind of always worry about him fitting in with the team a little bit, but, uh, but he's done well international play before. So I wouldn't, I, I, I think he definitely merits being on there. I, I do think that clay actually, his defense is pretty, I think he can wing defend, but I, I think maybe Butler might be a better choice. I don't know. It, it's, it's a little bit tough. Yeah. I think, I think Drummond's the good point. And he, his note on this was, uh, was if he was picking just like a straight 2016 team to like go to the 2016 Olympics, he would have Paul George instead of Andre Drummond. Uh, yeah, that's good. good I call. didn't even yeah, hear about Paul said, George. Wow. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's a loaded, loaded group. But he said Drummond, if it was strictly against the '92 team, he said he felt like he just needed a little bit more size than that, and he already had Certainly. wings. So yep. That was kind of the thinking there. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're leaving off. Paul George, Jimmy Butler, Kyrie Irving. I mean, just <laughs> great, great players. John Wall. Can I have some of those? Can I have some of those from my 80s team? Can you give me Paul George? I'm going to take Paul George. So Paul George is now on the 80s team. So. Yeah, it's a loaded crop. So it's a it was a tough thing, for, I think, for him to narrow down. He said he really kind of struggled with those last few picks. but um, And even, like, just random role players. Like, yeah, like even, like, Andre Iguodala, who played on the 2012 team, he was like, I mean, they, have, they deserve at least a chance. Like, But he's like, look at the talent I'm leaving off there's no way I can put him ahead so yeah Draymond for me as well is one I I would I think I would go Draymond instead of Drummond um and somehow still leave Paul George off which sounds crazy <laughs> but, but that's kind of where I would go just the versatility of of, of Draymond is incredible so yeah uh, watch him and Charles Barkley go at it would be awesome um you know I might consider Paul George over Carmelo just because I I you know Carmelo isn't going to do much for you defensively, and and George obviously obviously will. Um, and I, you are going to need you're obviously going to need wing defense. Um, and, and then yeah, Clay or Butler. I mean, I, I think the, the their talents are fairly close. The nice thing about Clay is um, you know, he's a he's a better um, three point shooter. Yeah, um, sure. going to give you a little more spacing. It can play, obviously has a lot of experience playing off of Curly. I, Curry and I, I guess if you have Draymond on the team as well, um, I don't know if you want three Warriors. Although you know they're thirty three and two or whatever um, as a recording. <laughs> I just the Warriors. So, I just have the whole team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, you, you can. I, I feel like we can justify that um, fairly well. But I. But I. You know, Braden's um, thought process in putting this team together, and especially in trying to match up with the. 92 team um I, I do think makes makes a lot of sense so um yeah, he's got the tough task of, of like you said Adam. he's got too many talented guys like ah, oh man i can't add like Paul Dord. yeah oh what do i do with career like that's, and that's you good, know it's a good it, problem to have yeah in, in fairness 92 you there are definitely talented players who were left oh, on yeah, team who, yeah. who would have been awesome too yeah i mean honestly leitner you know does not have a talent of those other guys I mean, <laughs> but he's white though well, you're well, forgetting well I, you know yeah they, <laughs> the strongest they, wanted talent. Get, they wanted to get white the college, college player yeah they wanted to get the yeah, they they had to get the token in there. Uh, the, the token college player. Um, they could have picked Shaq, but yeah, yeah, Shaq would have so much. Huh. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Why didn't they pick Shaq? I yeah. wonder what is the difference between Shaquille O'Neal and Christian Leitner. I just cannot put my finger on it. I, I mean, in in some fairness, I mean, Leitner was an incredibly accomplished college player. So um, yeah, no, he was. Yeah, but yes, historically, it does not look like the best choice. Um, yeah, I. 
but I, I do think that, um, man, I, I don't even have any idea how the 2016 um, team would do. I mean, I, I think they have a really good shot. Um, but um, especially playing under 2016 rules, I mean, I, I just think, you know, obviously the um, – uh, the the shooting is going to be better. There's a lot better perimeter shooters for 2016. Do you mean even in, in the point guard play? I mean, you know, obviously you've stocked in the Magic, who are among the best point guards ever. But I I feel like um I I just feel like Curry and Westbrook and and Paul are you have a good chance of running them off the floor. So I mean I, I mean Sachin would compete defensively, and obviously Magic was even at 32 um was still. I mean, he's going to have a tough time keeping up with any of those guys defensively, or really any of the guards defensively. But, um, but, but certainly he can. Um, he can do a lot of things. So. Yeah, no question. And I think the last kind of little point I'll make up for for Braden. I know Carmelo for him too was a tough thing. He was like, he's like, I think Paul George is better than Carmelo right now. But how well Carmelo has played for USA, and the fact that he's like going to come out here for a fourth olympics and the commitment he's put in he's like i just feel like he deserves that last spot so um that was his thinking there on carmelo and i, I think i agree with him on that yeah and paul george would be cool to reward for actually coming back to team usa after the horrific injury <laughs> in 2014 but you know that's uh that's kind of another story sure all right um any uh adam any final thoughts on uh this project i know you've got some other um you know olympic related coverage that you're uh, planning at basketball pantheon yeah, definitely. We uh, we might do some stuff kind of in between after this is posted, uh, kind of talk about the teams in between our 12 years. So maybe talk about like the 64 team, or I'm sorry, the, uh, the 72 team and the 76 team, you know, between that years and then maybe the 84, 88, kind of fixing those teams. And, uh, you know, just different things leading up to the Olympics. I think that's a thing that's not covered um, that well in the basketball community, which is amazing because there's so much basketball content out there. But uh, that's kind of a little angle we want to take and kind of talk more about international teams and maybe even talk about teams, you know, non-USA teams that were great that didn't get their due, maybe just because they didn't have a ton of NBA players. Um, and, you know, we want to do something on, like, the 4 Argentina team that actually knocked off USA and ended up winning the gold, uh, which is just a great, great team. And uh, maybe kind of compile some video clips of that team and just to show that, you know, it's not just America that's good at basketball. So uh, that's kind of a direction we want to go, you know, here in 2016 moving forward and just a lot more content from us you know we're we're a new site we're you know nine months old so we really want to figure out a direction now that we've kind of like tried different things and you know feel like we know what we want to do and you know hopefully look for a lot more content from us in 2016 awesome yeah well uh always enjoy the stuff that you're uh, putting out there and uh appreciate you coming on the show again and uh, if you want to uh, uh go to your website and follow you on twitter uh, let everyone know all the places that they can find you so, yeah, the, the website is simply just basketballpantheon.com. Um, my personal, we have a you know Twitter, just bballpantheon, Instagram, bballpantheon, uh, different things like that. And then my personal one is at slappin5, so like slapping but no G, and then just a numerical 5 is my personal Twitter account. Um, so, yeah, talk about basketball on there, just different kinds of things. And, uh, yeah, that's where you can follow us. And Braden, of course, you guys can get his Twitter handle from from the site itself. It's kind of a complicated one, so I'm not going to butcher it here. But, uh, but yeah, so Braden Newbauer is my kind of partner, and he writes some stuff. Uh, we're both from San Antonio, so he writes some stuff for Pounding the Rock, the Spurs blog. So, um, yeah, you can look for his stuff on there, too. So it's fun stuff. We both are obsessed with basketball, so uh, it's a fun project for us to do. Cool, cool. Uh, Rich, anything else before we go? 
No, I think that's it for me. All right. All right. Well, um, thanks, everyone, for uh, checking us out. You can find us at harborproxism.com. We are part of the HB network of uh, podcasts. You can subscribe both to the Harbor Paroxysm podcast feed and the Over and Back feed on iTunes. Um, we would appreciate a rating and or review if you would be uh, great enough to uh, provide us with one. Um, we're on Twitter and Facebook at Over and Back NBA. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. Uh, thanks, everyone, for uh, checking us out. Uh, until next time, thanks for listening. We'll be back again soon. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.